Getting split Getting ready. split Getting ready. split ready. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. She's not dead. <laughs> We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show? Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. Welcome to Getting Split Ready, Chicago's premier divorce podcast. With us tonight, fantastic panel again, Laura Barr from Embark Collaborations, Angeline Schuler from New Vista Behavioral Health, Linda LeBlanc from LeBlanc and Mulholland, and Olga Stambler from Hearst, Robin, and McKay. Our next segment is brought to you with a special thanks to our sponsor, Linda Lucatorto and the Oasis Experience. A divorce coach can be your most valuable asset as you navigate your divorce. Linda educates her clients as to the process and the realities of divorce, as well as the various options or methods that are available to them. She prepares her clients for meetings with attorneys and other professionals. And according to Linda, knowledge is power and it helps reduce the fear of the unknown, which for most people, if you haven't been divorced before, that's one of the bigger fears. Check out their website at oasisexperience.com or call Linda at 630-887-0374. So again, I was reading, I was a, Doug gave us some more light reading. Some more light. Well, you know, but I've been reading more and more I'm hearing about. I'm hearing about it from attorneys. Is that the divorce rate's dropping. Um, It's dropping especially around uh, millennials, but it's dropping in general. Um, I actually want to to ask Laura, are you seeing, what are you seeing on the financial side? Is there a financial component to that? Because I want to ask you guys, I want to know why you think that's happening, why people are getting married less, and how it's really affecting divorce. So first, what are your thoughts? Well, I, when we're talking about millennials, I'm not sure how many millennials are actually getting married. Um, that may be part of the reason for the divorce rate being lower. Um, you know, they they live together, they're, they've got domestic relationships, um, but don't actually get married. Yeah. I mean, I also see reasons on, you know, you were talking about, you know, those great divorces. I have people come to me and looking at their finances, I look at them and go, you get divorced, one of you is going to lose insurance. Can you afford that? And then, yeah, we look at that and, you know, there are times where I say, okay, well, can you guys stick it out for another two years before the other one can get on Medicaid and then get divorced? And they're like, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, So you're saying they're just not going through the transactional component of divorce, but they're mm -hmm. living separately. Effectively divorced, but not legally divorced. I mean, I also get people who come to me and they're like, so when I went out on my own, my very first new divorce client um, was right around Christmas. And he was, (laughs) that was his Christmas self to himself. His Christmas present to himself was to finally get divorced. They had been separated and living apart for like six years and they had an eight-year-old kid. And so a lot of people don't get divorced because they don't think they can afford it. I just say it's a gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the statistics here, they said the millennials, was that the average age has changed from 2003 till now, that the average age for men has gone from 27 to 30 and women from 25 to 28. So three years older, people are getting married. So where getting married used to be the kind of like launch pad for your adult life, right? You'd get married young, launch your life, and build a life together, people are building their lives and then becoming much more selective about whether or not to join that life with someone else in marriage, um, particularly millennials, because they're not doing it as early. Um, I think that's an interesting uh, Yeah, about why they're and doing I've it. worked with couples who have gotten married simply for the health insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, what are you seeing though from a financial perspective? Is is it is there a financial perspective where because I know you do stuff outside, obviously of the divorce realm as well. Is there a financial perspective where people are choosing not to get married because you know there's the financial question of getting divorced? My guess is it impacts it both ways. Like, what are you seeing in your world? Well, I don't see people avoiding marriage because they're afraid of getting divorced. They're, no, no, it was meant more that they don't have the resources, right? So or they want to be saying, financially stable yeah, before they get married. Stable. So divorce, people might not get divorced because they look and say, geez, we're going to put each other in the poorhouse. So let's just come up with some kind of solution. Yeah, I, I do have, um, you know, because I also do paternity cases. And so it's essentially like, okay, we're separating. We need to figure out custody, child support, um, but we were never married. And there are times where they never got married because he didn't want to add her to the house or the wife, you know, the wife would lose benefits or the child would lose benefits because, you know, adding that extra income would would lose something. Um, there's also, you know, because of changes in healthcare law, where if your spouse has employer insurance available to them, then they can't be on yours. And so it's something, too, where, you know, people are starting to look at that not only about, you know, they're looking at healthcare on a broader scheme of, do I take this job because it has health insurance, but it's not as good as my husband's health insurance. So is it really worth that dollar pay raise when I when I counter in, I now have to pay extra for health insurance or have, you know, worse insurance. So I think just as a society, we one, we've taken away the taboo of, you know, living together before marriage. Um, we've taken away the taboo of getting married older. And so we're starting to think at, think of things and really look at things from a financial perspective. And go, is it all money? Is that, there that? Is it all, or are they not getting married? What do you mean? From a, from a broader sense, right? Like, what, what do you think? might be driving that as a psychological component? Well, I know that I've worked with many children, adult children of divorce, where the parents went through a bad divorce and they're on my couch in their 20s and 30s, you know, just really, do you really have a couch? That's me. I do have a couch. Many couches. (laughs) So many couches. I try to make it look very home-like. But the... But the, the thing is, I, I, I get where they've just been so damaged by their own parents' divorce that they never want to put anybody, any child through so that. Wait, they're not getting married because of that or not getting divorced Absolutely. No, not getting married. Really? Yeah, and they're they're just really turned off to the whole idea of marriage. The fact that I'd have to share half my income with somebody, you know, it's bad enough I have to pay child support or half my assets are with somebody. Well, what's yeah. it, I, there's, I think there's this, another side to that phenomenon, though, because I was telling you that story where I was playing poker with a guy who wasn't going to get a vasectomy because he was convinced both of him, he and his wife came from divorced households. And he said, <laughs> when we inevitably get divorced, I still, you know, he wanted Want to, to have a younger wife. And mm-hmm. he said to be more marketable, he still needed to to be fertile, I guess. That's so, that was an actual I, thought process. That was, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, there were sure, a lot can't of us, they reverse those, that, though? That yes. whole aspect, they can, but I'm sure it's a lot of work and cost. <laughs> but there was that aspect of the other side of it, right? So we've been talking about people not getting divorced, but for this individual, divorce was like, hey, this is just kind of how it's done and you know you kind of move on to the next phase and, and it's just like so a second career for a lot of these these children they grow up they've been involved in custody battles so they were 18 years away age they finally get away from both of these parents usually and then they're like just completely turned off to the idea of it so this article that you sent had some interesting points one of them said that there's two types of cohabitation one is 
people move in together because they found a good match. They want to do a quick run through before they get married. And the other is because it solves a uh, logistical liquidity or loneliness problem. And that low income couples tend to move in together sooner than college educated ones, making marriage more of an attainable goal for those that are more affluent or more educated. And that uh, there's a 50 50 chance that a child born into a cohabitating couple was not planned versus one in five for a married couple. So children are being they born into They solve the these. loneliness problem and they create a new problem. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. But children are being born into these cohabitation relationships that maybe weren't chosen based on the love of their life, but more of a economic or logistical issue. And then one of every two children born into cohabitating parents will endure a breakup, a breakup by age nine versus one in five with uh, parents who are married. So it's just people living together then create these families that bear out what you were saying, the the hurt and the... Can I say one more thing? Yeah. And I, I know that I do value marriage. I did actually get married, although for financial purposes, for financial aid reasons, I didn't get married till after I got out of college. <laughs> <laughs> I but, like that. It's very strategic. <laughs> anyways, mm-hmm. but the, the thing, too, is that there is this strange gray where there's this ambiguity. And, you know, kids can feel it where there's just this lack of commitment in a lot of the households that don't have two married parents. And... Like sometimes I'll have kids, I'll like, all I want for Christmas is my parents to get married, you know, things like that. And it's just really all my other that friends. It's like a Hallmark movie. Like, all my, well, it's got to be so media driven too, though. Like the, the, the media version of marriage, right? Like the wedding industry is billions of dollars a year for a reason because everyone has that, that image of happily ever after. That's why right. the divorce think- industry is billions of dollars. Absolutely. I think you also have to look at whether the parents are open in their commitment to each other. I mean, you you have a great example with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. They've been together for, shoot, I don't know, longer than I've been alive, I think. Um, they both had marriages that didn't work, but they're conscious about being together. And, you know, their kids together and even their, you know, the stepkids that they've brought in, um, there's no doubt in anybody's mind there that those two people are together. Um, so I think a lot of times when you have kids who are like, I just want my parents to be married, when you start a relationship of and move in and commit to each other out of convenience or you know something other than you know a loving commitment and a purposeful commitment, you have that situation. And so you know I'm when I do these GAL cases and I go in and I talk to these kids, it's like, oh yeah, well mom and dad fought and then dad laughed and you know, I didn't know when he was gonna come home. And then when he came home, mom laughed. And of course, you know, the parents are like, oh, we never fight in front of the kids. <laughs> okay, well you may not have, you know, come to fisticuffs, but you guys were giving each other the silent treatment, you both took off, the kid didn't know what was going on. The kids the, know the kids everything. Know. The kids know. And so when we say like, okay, let's shield our kids from things, we're not talking about like, don't give them any information, let them know what's going on. But at the same token, you know, like Angeline has in in her materials, we call them the divorce rules. And I've started giving those out in all of my cases. I actually go through them with the kids. And it's like 20, 15 or 20 things of like, hey, don't do this, don't do this, let me do this. But I would be really impressed if then, when everyone's together, you wore a striped shirt and had a whistle. And if they oh, I could do rules, that. So I know, actually grew up penalty, with coaches. Put them in the box. Yeah, I grew up with coaches, so I definitely have a striped shirt and a whistle somewhere. Um, but yeah, 
I'll have kids go through it and I'll start reading the list of like, okay, these are things that you can say, all right, mom and dad, that's rule number five. I don't want to talk about that. Yep. And I will get kids spontaneously say, oh, like mom did. With with all this happening and a a drop in all this, do you think that this trend will continue? I know I talk to a lot of divorce attorneys, financial people just in the divorce industry, and they... They feel that this trend is probably going to continue. That it's—I mean—it's not going to be single digits, obviously, but but it's going to continue. The 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 shape of the family is going to change, the marriage, all that stuff's going to change. What are your thoughts on whether that's going to continue? I think trends change, and I think you know history. I think things are cyclical. The market goes mm-hmm. up and down. Trends go up and down. What's popular, you know, changes. So I think that this is also so bell bottoms and marriage are going to come back. I think bell bottoms are coming back. Bell bottoms are coming back. They are. They are. Awesome. I think you know people want to, you know, just like when we had the revolution, you know, the hippie revolution, people want to rebel against the establishment, and then people get more traditional, then they rebel against the establishment and get Mm -hmm. more traditional. So I do think that it fluctuates, and I think that's just human nature to go in cycles. and I, and I think a lot of it, it does revolve around kind of the examples that are set, um, what the social norms are, what's acceptable. Like now, same-sex marriage, finally, thank goodness, is legal. So now we can, you know, so the marriage rate might go up because now there's more segments of the population that are not isolated from and they Being can able to like the rest of us. Absolutely. Right? They have the, <laughs> they have the <laughs> equal right to do that. Oldest joke ever. I know. <laughs> You're aging yourself no. with your I, jokes. Well, though. I am. I am. I'm, and there might be new um, economic motivators. For example, I've seen I've seen young couples get married that live together because they want to file joint tax returns, and it's just economically mm-hmm. they're better off. One of them earns more. One well, of them earns less. If you were to look at marriage. It was economic way, way back when. So maybe mm-hmm. you're right. Everything old is new. We're talking thousands of years, but everything old is new. I want two goats. Yeah. Two goats for my daughter. And if you are thinking about divorce, please visit splitready.com and take our free assessment. You can come through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and your sanity intact. Be informed, ask questions, and be split ready.